for us, if you're going to go get great people in a consulting business, right, which is what we offer, you have to invest in recruiting so you're not codependent on applications. If you have to hire from an applicant pool and you can't go after the best and brightest, you'll never have the best and brightest. You'll just accidentally have the team you have instead of purposely getting the team you want. So we do a really good job, I think, on hiring the right people. And then our culture is insanely intense, independent, and empowering. Here's the thing. The fastest growing companies in the world, they're small businesses, often with less than 100 employees. So how are gritty entrepreneurs, CEOs, and founders like us going up against massive markets, scaling teams, building systems, and skyrocketing to success before crashing and burning? This podcast will give you those answers. My name is Chris Ronzio. Welcome to the fastest growing companies. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Chris Ronzio. Today, I'm here with Garrett Mergut. Hey, Garrett, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Chris. Excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on to chat. So tell us about what you do. You are the co-founder and CEO of Directive. What is Directive all about? Yeah, essentially, we do performance marketing for SaaS companies. Um, I don't do much. I got a lot of people around me that actually do most everything. I just try to help them out where I can. Um, but yeah, man, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. So we mostly do SEO, paid media, and creative for software companies. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, the the quote, I don't do much is something I think a lot of people aspire to and few ever get to. So we want to talk about that process because I'm sure at the beginning you did a ton of stuff and going from that to not doing so much is uh, is, is an awesome journey. So let's talk about that. Um, first of all, how, how long have you had the business? I think today's our seventh anniversary. So uh, about seven years. Yeah. Cool. And why this business? What, what made you start this? Uh, I didn't, I wasn't like, I don't, I don't really know if I really even tried to start this. Uh, it just kind of happened, you know? So I'm not like, I don't have some cool story. I never really worked anywhere full time. I just like, this was my only full-time employer, I think actually ever. So I just kind of like, I was on Fiverr selling $5 social media calendars. And then like, I had a couple clients paying like 200 bucks a month and then we kind of just started. Yeah. That was about it to be honest. Like, Yeah. So just, you know, bootstrap, hustler, Fiverr, selling like, like tiny little jobs. How, yeah. how did it start to pick up from those early days? Like when you think back to the, the you know, your first like six figures with the company, what, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, when we were doing it, we never intended it for any, like, I don't know if we, but I never intended it to be small. Like I wasn't doing it as a lifestyle. I wasn't doing it for any other reason than trying to build the largest performance marketing shop in the world. That was it. So from day one, I treated it like that. Um, and that's still how I treat it today. And I haven't stopped like once the whole time. So I don't know, like if you just have that approach, like you build everything different than if you're trying to build it for a lifestyle or if you're trying to build it into a cash cow or just like, you know, the outcome you want should dictate your finances, your management team, your time allocation, the way you position yourself in your firm. So I always just wanted to try to be the biggest company I could be because I was, my passion is challenging myself as a leader and running a small company is not a challenge in my opinion, as a leader, um, trying to take a culture and then constantly refine that culture and then be able to maintain or improve that culture 
through middle management and scale, like that to me is a challenge um, compared to just like, you know, me deciding to be a fractional CMO for two companies and charge them 25 grand a month. Like, yeah, there's a lot of ways to make money, but it's not necessarily a challenge as a leader or as a person. So you like the challenge of building a business, which is obvious because you went from the the numbers I saw were 16 employees to now you've got 55 in just the last few years. So you've been pretty intentional about building a team around you to support you. What do you think makes your business special? Like what's the secret sauce that's let you multiply over the years? To be honest, I think we just have a really unique culture. Like we're still really bad at a lot of things internally and we got to get better. Um, like we don't have great documentation yet. We're working really hard on that. We don't have a lot of things. What we do really, really well is we hire top performers. We have three, like right now I have two full-time recruiters, for example, in-house. Mm. So we really put talent on the pedestal. Like our flywheel effect, right? If you want to go with Jim Collins on this, starts with people. And a lot of people say that, but then they don't fund that department. So you're not actually saying you're kind of full of it, right? Like, so for us, if you're going to go get great people in a consulting business, right? Which is what we offer. You have to invest in recruiting. So you're not codependent on applications. If you have to hire from an applicant pool and you can't go after the best and brightest, you'll never have the best and brightest. You'll just accidentally have the team you have instead of purposely getting the team you want. So we do a really good job, I think, on hiring the right people. And then our culture is insanely intense, independent, and empowering. That's what we do. Like everything else is, and then we just try to not give them more than six accounts. Like <laughs> give them a couple accounts yeah. and then we pay them on a percent of revenue. So you're inspired to manage it. As an operator here, you get commission. It's very unique in the services business. So everything is built in this culture to empower top from, I built it for, if I worked in my own company, what would I want? And that would be freedom, world-class accounts, budget, and high expectations. And that's it. Man, there's so much we can unpack there. So first, I love that you have two recruiters with 55 people. And we honestly, we have the set, we have a three-person people team. Two of them are recruiting all the time. And that investment in finding people and empowering people, it, you're right. It's something I think almost no one does. So how yeah. early in the business did you make that investment? When when did you hire the first recruiter? Not early enough. I think like six months ago. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Before that, I was just, I'm pretty active on social and other places. So I would try to reach out to people if I thought, but we were just like back in the day too, we had, uh, I mean, our whole company technically millennials still today, but like back then, I think I had, cause we got up to almost 70 people at one point um, when we were a little bit serving smaller accounts. And so you needed more personas. We also had a different operating model. So we used to service accounts with three people. Now it only takes one. And sometimes two. So we lowered headcount. And instead of putting more people on account, we went after better talent. So in agencies, it's not normal to have like our minimum requirement is five plus years experience hmm. in just SEO or just paid media. Most agencies have like junior level talent. Yeah, we don't. We used to. So we only have senior level talent and we pay them all really well. And then we don't give them too many accounts. But we didn't have recruiting before this. I wish we did. It should have been the first thing we did. If you go like <laughs> so good, good advice yeah. in retrospect. Now I, I want to ask too about the operating commission because it's pretty common that as a sales position, you would get some sort of commission, but it sounds like you pay commissions to anybody that's servicing accounts. Am I understanding that right? 
Yeah, like anyone who is like an account manager. So let's say you have six accounts and you have a base salary. If you keep those accounts or grow those accounts, we have a threshold, right? So we're trying to hit an X amount of gross margin. And any money you manage over that gross margin, we give a very large percentage, like multi-digit percentage Hmm. back to you. Now, if you churn that account, you don't get that bonus. See, the way we pay is you have a base salary that's in the top probably 5% of the market. And then everything else is goodies. And that goodies is based on your performance. Hmm. That's cool. That's creative. So going back to the beginning, you said you wanted to build, you know, this world-class largest performance marketing company in the world. So who were your first hires? How did you, how did you start out of the gates with a team that helped you do that? My two best friends who didn't know anything. <laughs> that's, that's so often the case. All right. So skip past your couple best friends. Who, who is the first like stranger you hired and why? I didn't hire strangers for a minute. I think I just kept hiring the homies for a while uh, i didn't have any money to pay anybody it was like i was like giving away rent and sometimes and all sorts of stuff so i mean we really did bootstrap it right like we didn't have any money we never raised money we have no debt today we have no outside funding we've never been in debt um so no i mean we didn't really make strategic hires till like recently we just promoted internally for the most part and then yeah we still like i'd say like recent like we've found a really top CFO in the space, brought her on. Uh, I found a really talented, like head of sales development, brought her on. Um, Trying to think of people and authority in the company outside that we brought in a director of SEO from the outside. Um, so I'm curious, you know, I, a lot everybody of else is promoted internally. Yeah. A lot of companies go through this where you hire from your pool of friends or your close network. And, and then at some point, Either they're not working out, you have issues with friendships, or you start to introduce outside talent, or your inside people are not performing at the level to be promoted. I'm sure you've had some of those issues. Is there is there any, have there been challenges along the way? Oh, yeah. I mean, everything's hard about it. Um, but the, the bigger your company gets, the fewer people you can trust. So if you push out the only people you trust because they're not good enough, you'll have a bunch of good people, but do they have your back? Is your culture the same? Because we have this misperception in business that I've fell for, which is that company that's bigger than you, that you respect, their managers are better than your managers. And that's bullshit. What usually happens is they come from their big company. They don't mix with your culture. Your current team feels devalued and you make mistakes. And that's what I did. I tried to bring in multiple VPs while I had the best VP I could have had right already in front of me. And I just didn't value what they could bring compared to what I thought the others could bring. But the truth is, is if you have an intense culture that values excellence, you're already unique. And so like people who fit a standard of excellence is more valuable than people have experience operating something larger. And it's just really hard to recreate your values from the outside. in. So what have you done to be intentional about articulating those values that you and the early bunch shared as you've brought in some of these outsiders? Yeah. I mean, I run something called directive daily. So every single solitary day from 10 30 to 11, I have office hours. Anybody can come talk with me. Um, and then we do company all hands every month. 
we do intense quarterly planning and OKRs and we're real. And, I, and then we do all hands. Yeah. I'm meeting every week. So it's pretty intense. Yeah. Love that. You, you need that structure as you're growing, especially if you want to keep such a tight knit culture, like it sounds like you have. Was it, was there a point along the way where you felt like you weren't sure if things were going to work out where you doubted the growth or anything like that? No, never. No. I mean, we're, like, I don't know, for me personally, I've always been able to do what I set my mind to. And I haven't distracted my mind from this. So I never really worried about this, to be honest. Like, <laughs> if you just go at it 100% every single solitary day, you'd be amazed at what you can do. Like, I, I have a belief that the only per- thing that can stop us is ourselves. Um, uh, and that's So if it. you've had to pinpoint then, um, you know, as the business has just kind of multiplied over the years, is there a service that you spun up that you provided? Is there a shift that you made to uh, to how you work with people? Is there a connection that you got that really was a turning point for the business? We just play the hits, man. Like, I think we all know what we're supposed to do. It's just a lot of us don't actually do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we niched into a vertical that we were, like, everything we did in our business story is just like, all I do is read, right? So all I do is read books and they're like, do this. I'm like, oh, that sounds smart. And I do it, right? Like, I know it's like, I, I legitimately, I try to read about two hours a day right now. And I've been doing that for years. And so I go through like books almost weekly, right? And I just came up with a motto called learn, engage, create. The concept was if I could learn something new every day and engage with it, I could create more value for myself and for my customers. And so essentially what I mean by that is like, yeah, everything we're doing is just trying to like follow best practices and then put a spin off and then modify that best practice to fit our culture. So like we asked ourselves, hey, what clients um, pay us the most? Which clients do we like working with? Which clients have the best margins? And it was like B2B, B2B, B2B. And I was like, cool. So it became B2B. Then we got into B2B and we had some big like manufacturers like Pelican cases and um, big paper conglomerates, some random like B2B manufacturers. This is only like a real small percent. So then we looked at it again and we said, cool, of our B2B clients, who pays us the most, who has the best margins, all this stuff. I'm like, wow, we have a lot of SaaS clients. And we said, cool, who's the biggest SaaS player in the space? We looked around, like, oh, it's already us. All right, why don't we just say we're SaaS? And so like, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of business is just being okay with never like me. I never think anything is concrete. So like, I'm constantly trying to optimize every part as I get new information. So for a lot of people, that seems like a lot of change. For me, it's just honing in the vision, the mission, the value prop. And so we haven't really experimented with a ton of services. Most of our services have always been recurring. Most of our services were complementary. So if you sold this, you could sell that. And ideally you could sell it to the same person, but pull from a different budget, right? Mm-hmm. So like, as long as you start using common sense with everything and just stay consistent, that's really all we're trying to do. It's nothing, honestly, that crazy. It's just like hire better people, give them fewer accounts to work on, like incentivize them, service one customer really well, and then expand services to that same customer, but try to pull from different budgets. Like, I know it sounds like silly, but it's just all, I think, really just focused, basic, try to pursue excellence kind of stuff. And you execute. It sounds like if you're reading a book a week and you're applying all the best ideas, then you're not just sitting around like a lot of people do not putting those ideas to work. So I think if you're constantly growing and optimizing, like you said, then the the changes happen over time. Pretty cool. And we have a management team around me. So, you know what I mean? Like I haven't been 
and this is also, I think, a bad thing sometimes, but I haven't been on a client call in, I couldn't tell you how many years, like years. So I have all these people around me who run the day-to-day and they're all better at it. Like I'm a builder and I recognize that myself. I'm not an operator. I don't want to operate. I don't like operating. And so I hire operators around me and I focus on building. And Was that a yeah. skill you've always had or is that something you learned along the way? Because I, I know delegation and handing off areas of the business is something a lot of people struggle with. So how, how have you handled that? I was raised in a German household. I don't know what to say, man. Like, I'm not like, like for me, what I mean by that is like, I was raised, like my dad was a craftsman and then became a missionary. So like, I came from like that background where blue collar, but like custom cabinets. So like everything was like to like perfectionism. Now I'm not a perfectionist, I wouldn't say, but I have a very high standard of excellence. Hmm. So you have that. And what I found is people gravitate towards leaders who make them better through being around them. And so what I try to do is hold everyone around me to the standard of being the best version of themselves while I'm trying to do the same. And then I don't struggle with trusting them because I have this thing of like, I can tell someone what to do, but not how to do it. Cause if you tell people how to do things and what to do now, they hate you. And so I just try to give them focus. If I think something's valuable enough that it makes the company money, I try to strip away the other things so they can do that one thing. I know it sounds like it's all just like basics of like, I guess, working with people. I don't know. Like, I just love that kind of stuff. Oh, I love that. It's, I mean, it's specialization. Like what you just said is narrow down what people do, have them work with fewer clients, go deeper with their existing clients and then trust your people. So all great advice. Um, what's next for, for you guys? What are you excited about right now? Or what are you working on now? Yeah, we're trying to deal with like a whole new level of scale. I think we're trying to onboard 40 accounts a month. So that's a little tough. So we're building out a lot of new like business units for onboarding, training team members, product excellence, separating services from products so that we can optimize product. You know, every agency, every professional services firm I've ever seen, they lose their soul when they grow. They won't admit that to you. They won't tell you that, but in their heart of hearts, they know. They know that the best team, they put on their best accounts and that their best team's great and the rest of their team's average. Hmm. People don't tell you that, but that's the truth. When you work with an agency, there's an A team. And if you're an A client, you get the A team. If you're not an A client, you don't get the A team. So all those case studies are not from the B team. They're from the A team. (laughs) And every agency does this to everybody. It's the truth. And what I'm trying to do is make sure that all we have is an A team. But the only way you can do that at that type of scale where you're hiring 13 people every two weeks and onboarding 40 accounts is if you can invest insane amounts of money in product excellence, training, middle management, and deliverable. So that's really what we're doing right now is trying to build ourselves for that type of scale and then optimize uh, as we go. I love it. Well, like you've said throughout, you know, you've got to invest in people, invest in finding the right people, invest in paying people well, invest in trusting those people, invest in culture, invest in training and onboarding. So it sounds like you're doing all the right things and they're evident in your growth. So congratulations. Um, If people want to connect with you or your company, where can they find you? Yeah, it's directiveconsulting.com. If you're a marketer, especially in software, you want to learn about how to do SaaS marketing. We have a free Slack group called Society. 
Um, so feel free to join that. It's uh, I literally am on there personally. You can DM me any question you have. You can DM anyone on our growth team. We have a really, really talented marketing team in-house. Um, really robust tech stack, really capable team running exceptionally advanced campaigns. Um, and so if you want to know really how to do anything at that level of like advanced ABM targeting, firmographics, value props, like how to scale paid social, like we have a really cool team and we answer all the questions there totally free of charge. Uh, and so the, the SaaS marketers in there are great too. And me, you can follow me on Twitter, or LinkedIn. Uh, if you have any questions, just hit me up. Yeah. Amazing. All right, everyone. Garrett Mergut, thank you so much for being here. Directive Consulting, check them out. Uh, like he said, invest in your people, invest in your process, and uh, and go follow along what they're doing if you're into SaaS marketing. Hopefully, you can borrow a page from Garrett's playbook as you build your own. Garrett, thanks a lot for being here. Thanks, Chris. Hey, thanks for listening to the Fastest Growing Companies podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. If you found the information helpful, share it with your friends and family that can benefit from it. You can also find Trainual's company account at Trainual, just like a training manual. We'll see you next time.